Hey everyone, Michael again with the Better Climbing Beta podcast. I'm accompanied by our sub host. Yeah, we we decided earlier that I'm not even co-host. I'm just the guy that fills space. So Michael's the host, and I'm the guy. Well, but but it's like maybe you're just doing like an internship, right? Oh, I'm, I'm a, a an unpaid internship. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting the experience, and eventually the goal is you could make your way to co-host at some point. Ooh, nice. Does that come with, if I make co-host, can I make half of all of the money that we are making? Abs- oh, my God. Um, no? No. <laughs> Just because we're not making any money? Uh, actually, I think we're losing money because we're paying for all the stuff. Like, gosh. We're losing money. We're in a deficit right now. We we got those keychains made, and now we have to, and we're giving them away. We're giving away. Give, oh, that leads us on to something. So we're going to have stickers. They're on the way. They're on their way. That was an item that was purchased. Um, we're hoping to obviously give those away to people. Hopefully everyone wants to have a sticker. We'll put that out on social media so you guys know what those look like, and you can pick which one you want just because we got more than just one type of sticker. Outside of that, we've noticed that we've gotten a little bit more traffic than what we started with at the after the first episode launched. So we want to thank everybody for giving us a chance and listening to us. It means a lot. We don't want to think that we're just kind of talking out to the empty void that's yeah. called space. It's or nice the to tickle our egos. <laughs> yeah, tickle our egos. <laughs> yeah, our wives aren't any good at that. They're pretty... They kind of give it to us pretty straight. Jess hasn't listened to episode three yet. So. I'm sure my yeah, I'm sure my wife hasn't. She listened only to listened to episode two because she was here while we recorded it, yeah. and she probably only hung out because you know Biz and Lily were there. I mean, I yeah, those hang are cool chicks. Them, but yeah, yeah. So, so if it's if it uh, intrigues anybody, feel free to leave a comment <laughs> or a like or whatever it takes to have a dialogue with us and just let us know that you're listening and what you're interested in hearing us talk about. Tyler and I obviously have a ton of things we want to talk about and we have a pretty big list of things that we'll cover, but if we get a big demand for things and you guys want us to interview the masses or you know track down Chris Sharma somewhere in Spain and knock on his door and do a podcast with us, just let us know. We'll we'll, we'll do the dirty work so you guys can learn I and might, experience it. I might be okay with hanging out in Spain, maybe. Yeah, we just need to have our. We just need to have enough people support us yeah. so we can go to Spain. <laughs> that's the dream. We're not Rockefellers yet, but that's the goal. So yeah, obviously, if you guys know any cool sponsors that would align with Better Climbing Beta, we're all about it. Send a, yeah, like maybe I don't know. Like I could get down with any. I mean, it doesn't have to be specifically a climbing company. I could get down Listen, with like a nice craft brewery if ao8 wanted to sponsor us oh, that'd be dope i wouldn't be against that yeah. <clears throat> anybody from ao8 listening yeah if you're into rock climbing and you climb with the red you know what ao8 is or if you've ever been to miguel's obviously you yeah. know what ao8 is so we could get down with those guys i think i could yeah there's a ton of different companies so if anyone if anyone wants to i'm a fan of anyone send an email money. <laughs> if, if or you're just, willing to give us money we'll we'll talk about you yeah we'll have a good time so so outside of that, talking about kind of the new things that we're going to be having, we have keychains now. We, we we're going to have stickers. The next step is T-shirts. We're going to do some giveaways on the T-shirts. I don't know if we're necessarily going to give them all away, but <clears throat> we want to have certain contests that will help us decide who wants a T-shirt or not, or or who wins a T-shirt. So just kind of stay tuned for that. But today's podcast is going to be about the transition from being an indoor climber to an outdoor climber. I think this is kind of where you run into any seasoned climber, anybody who's been around climbing outdoors for a long period of time. This is usually where they get their headaches. They see that new climber and that person doesn't necessarily even need to be a new climber in the sense that they just started rock climbing five years ago. Mm -mm. They can just simply, I've never climbed outside ever. I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. So we're going to try and tackle this concept and try to give as much pertinent information that we can um, for that transition from indoor to outdoor. So we'll be talking sport climbing. We'll be talking bouldering. 
Um, we probably won't do any big deep dives into multi-pitch. Or even trad. There's or, not a lot of... There's not. There's a little bit of an overlap, obviously, with rope climbing, um, meaning trad and multi-pitch and single sport climbing. But we'll just talk a little bit ethics, bouldering, and so on and so forth. But, yeah, I did the introduction, so we're going to have Tyler kind of run with it for the first, for the first bit, at conversation least. piece. Yeah. So it's... <clears throat> As, as I often point out, I uh, currently do work at a climbing gym. And uh, it's really interesting and exciting that I think you know, we're seeing all of these gyms open up across the country. Um, you know, and, and multiple cities now are getting multiple gyms. We're seeing more chains as well. You know? Yeah, I, was there ever chain, like climbing gym chains? prior to like 2000 not not really i mean that Two, maybe even 2010 right that those are relatively new for climbing as an industry that's when you know something's mainstream right we're, we're getting like <laughs> multi-city chain yeah. uh gyms but i think that's awesome because it it, it opens up and, and it pre- prevent presents a new opportunity for a lot of people and whereas when i grew up climbing i was just fortunate enough to meet the right people um, now people just want to go and, oh, hey, rock climbing seems cool. Let's go try it. Uh, because of that, the obvious track, if you're going to choose climbing as a, as a passion or at least a hobby that you continue for many years, the, eventually you want to go outside, right? I mean, that's just the cool part of climbing. And because of that, we do see a lot of people that they show up, especially when you're near somewhere like the Red River Gorge, which is world-class climbing. I mean, people come from all over to climb there. So if it's in your back door, why wouldn't you just? But that's a problem, though. I think another thing, too, is it's fascinating how mainstream rock climbing has gotten not only in the major populated climbing destinations like Colorado or Utah or Wyoming, or not even Wyoming because it's not really populated, but California or the Pacific Northwest, it's getting big in the Midwest. Yeah. Like it's getting big in Chicago. It's mm-hmm. getting big in Indiana. And it's it's like that's an anomaly in itself because we don't have mountains in the distance. Yeah. You know, it's like sure. I mean, yeah, the Red River Gorge is what, three and a half hours from Indiana, but mm-hmm. that's pretty far. That's a far I mean, you're definitely that's you're getting out of that day trip, just show up and figure it out. But it's uh it's certainly and we've got stories, and they'll they'll come up. But I, you can know by showing up. You show up, start pulling your gear out, and you go, "Oh, that's their first time." Oh yeah, we climbing could definitely outside. Talk about that. Yeah. And so, so yeah. But as we get going, it's the the first thing. It's what what is the what are the differences between indoor and outdoor climbing? Um, you know, we we it's just all rock climbing you can kind of even say like okay if you're inside you're not even really rock climbing anymore you're you know hold climbing but yeah you know it's it's the good gyms do their best to emulate outdoor style it, it, or sure. you've got other styles of setting too so okay you know you don't want to be too generic and just saying let's make it like outdoor but mm-hmm. at the very least it's all climbing so you know when you go in just practically when you not separating some of the We'll get into climbing ethics and all that, but just practically, what are some of the things that, even if you've been climbing, lead climbing, sport climbing in a gym for years, that you still have not had a reason, had you still don't know how to do certain things? What what are the differences there when versus when you go to your first outdoor trip? I would say there's a there is a big difference between sport climbing in a gym and then sport climbing outdoors. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things is the amount of equipment you need to have to now go sport climbing outside. It's not like you need a ton of, a ton more things, but it's those little things that mm-hmm. you can add to your pack that are gonna make your first time climbing outdoors more enjoyable. It, it also means knowing your terrain, knowing how to get to this outdoor crag. Knowing uh, the, so the approach there. Knowing the approach, knowing if, okay, do I need to be wearing approach shoes for this or am I just pulling up to the side of the highway and I'm going to get out? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I have to do, like, do I have to cross a creek at some point? You know, those are things that I think are pretty important as well as knowing that, um, am I going to have cell service here? Is mm-hmm. it, am I going to have to, 
should I communicate with somebody before I leave and say, Hey, I'm going to go sport climbing. I'm going to be in this area outdoors. If you don't hear from me, yeah, you know, you don't want 127 hours. Situation yeah. Right. You don't want to cut, cut my you. arm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so just I, research like you, you know, what you're saying is it's not enough to, you can walk up to a gym and just get going. Yeah. But when you go outside, you're saying you can't just say like, I want to go outside. Let's drive up and, and we'll figure it out. So you and I have a good friend. His name is Mike Wheatley. He's uh, he's like 130 years old and he's, yeah, <laughs> he, he retired like one or two years ago from his prior employer. And now he just kind of works at a rock climbing gym and he's a he's bolted a bunch of stuff at the red and i'm sure you've climbed on one of his routes if you if you've ever climbed there but he has he said something the other day that i thought was really funny he just says the safest place to have a hard track is at the climbing gym because the complete diversity of in diversity of rock climbers in technical fields meaning that like at our gym we have like probably 10 or 12 doctors that Just climb at the gym yeah or definitely. 12 or 15 nurses and all of the or, staff have to go through training at least exactly first response at least be able to say hey i'm going to call and keep you stable until then yeah so one big difference that i'm trying to articulate is that in the gym you are there's a high high chance of safety or a high probability that if you were to get injured there would be um immediate assistance yeah. where outdoors that gets cut down drastically. So yeah. the first thing is like you talked about was research is researching the approach, researching, am I going to have cell service researching the conversation with another person and yeah. letting them know where you are, what, knowing what County you're in the other, a couple years ago, we actually got a, a, a tag from a eight. Oh, I was yeah, actually yeah. volunteering for the Rocktoberfest. I forget what year it was, but I was volunteering there and they were giving out tags. They were, bag tags because they had the county that you were climbing in when you were at the river gorge well, there's three there's three counties at the powell lee and what's the other wolf? one wolf yeah. yeah wolf county so people would call 911 and they would get the uh dispatcher and they would say okay where are you at and their uh, response would be i'm at the mother load yeah i'm at the mother <laughs> yeah first response the guy, they don't know what that is yeah <laughs> the guy just took a 40 footer and he can't move his legs we're at the mother load and they'd go what county is that in? They go, I don't know. So LA in correlation with the coalition did a really great thing. They made these bag tags. Yeah. So now I know that when I'm climbing at the chocolate factory or Bob Marley, I know exactly what county I'm in and right. what the buzzwords are to say to that dispatcher. So yeah, big thing first is just do the research for the geographic area you're going to. Definitely. And you mentioned gear. So, you know, op the, the big difference, and we're going to speak again specifically to sport climbing because most people don't have trad experience in gyms. I don't know many gyms that you can do that in, but you know, obviously you're going to need the protection. So the quick draws versus the fixed draws that may be at the gym. I know some gyms require quick draws as well, but you're going to need those for sure. But what, what else, assuming you have the rope and assuming you have your own harness and belay device and that kind of stuff, are there, is there other gear that you're going to need to be climbing outside? Yeah, you'll definitely need, some some type of cleaning mechanism so something to have a personal anchor system okay. that you can use to take your gear off the wall when you're done rock climbing you also wanted to you'll also want to invest into maybe a rappelling device depending mm -hmm. on the ethics of the climbing area that you're climbing in sure you will probably want to think about the stick clips stick that's clip that's kind of a big deal especially here where we live maybe in other areas i mean i've climbed in other areas where a stick clip wasn't necessarily necess necessary sure but boy does it make it easier to hang draws yeah. on your project or or just know that if you don't get to the top you can always at least get your gear back well you know i always say stick clips because you go up and get on a five six or something or what so i guess something easy for you and i don't need so a we're stick assuming clip. though that the, the the person who's making the transition from indoor to outdoor knows what a stick clip is so right so okay, sure definitely so basically um a stick clip is is a device used uh to help get the rope and or the dr first draw clipped to the wall. So if there's just bolts in the wall, you know, you'll, you'll fix your first quick draw with the rope, get that in the wall, or maybe it's a perma draw or the draw's already in, but you can still get the rope clipped to it. Yeah. So in theory, you're never 
off belay. You're never free climbing. You're never you're top rope. You're always exactly. You're always protected. Um, and, and you don't see a lot of this use in gyms, mostly because usually the first bolt's pretty close to the ground, plus most gyms have padded flooring, plus holds aren't going to break off, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I typically say outside, so much is out of your control that, you know, with within reason, it's just always not a bad idea to have a stick clip with you. I mean, I've never once ever been upset that that you brought a stick that i brought a stick clip and uh, i'm sure we'll do some videos explaining the different types and all that other stuff coming up uh by the way michael just got a bunch of filming equipment so them videos are coming oh yeah but uh but no i think it's you're you you hit the nail on the head it's like one of those better to have it and not want it than to want it and not have it and um you know i've certainly been on places where the first bolt's 15 feet off the ground or if you're a red river climber you know a lot of the hardest parts are getting up the first two bolts that's where the hardest moves are so it definitely makes me feel a little bit safer to have you know a stick clip there but that's another thing that you know i think a lot of people forego and there are areas muir valley has stick clips just hanging out you can yeah, use them that's pretty crazy but uh so what are some things you should leave at home Leave it home. Ooh, yeah. okay. So um, some of uh, – I know a lot of people like climbing to music. Um, <laughs> I I led you into this perfectly. You led it, right? I, I, and we've had trips um, where we've been. And so, hey, is it cool if we play music? And we're not just going to be like, go away. But also, I don't want to listen to your EDM trance. Hey, I like EDM. Yeah, you know, whatever, fine. But you're what, right. It's you don't EDM stands for – European dance music? I think it's electronic. Oh, electronic. Electronic. Okay. But uh, okay. most of it is European. I don't That's know. how much I like it. I know what it means. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you might leave your music, MP3, Bluetooth speaker, whatever devices mm -hmm. at home. It's, you know, certain things. And, and part of this is also, again, research, but some crags don't allow dogs. Yep. You know, some crags don't, they specifically write in, hey, don't bring any sort of alcohol. Something I found really interesting was access fund i believe access fund put out they put out like a magazine every year or something like that for for people to view and it's i think it's called i forget what it's called but it's maybe they had an article about is your dog crag dog worthy oh yeah and it had like 10 things and i just kind of laughed at this article that i read because I've never experienced, I've maybe experienced one dog out of a thousand. That's actually crag worthy. That's actually crag worthy. And yeah. one of them was like, does your dog dig holes? Yep. It's like, well, if your dog dig hole, digs holes, they're creating erosion of the crag. Does your dog ever bark? It's like, that's noise. or bark that's at people. Yeah, that's noise pollution. And a lot of people think like, well, my dog's friendly. He just loves going up to people and getting pet. And it's like, okay, that's fine at a dog park. But when mm -hmm. you're trying to belay, you don't want a dog trying to play with you. Yeah. So you're right. It's and and again, that's some more crag ethics, which we'll talk about. But but there is certainly, um, you know, we, we'll, we'll say you've got now gear that luxuries. We'll say, I guess, you know, things that it's like yeah. I, I, I like to have with me. Um, you know, I see all the time, and we've got we call it the yard sale. But you like walk up to a crag, and and you just see stuff everywhere, and it's like hey like yeah sure climbing gyms have cubbies and lockers and the thing yeah there's no cubbies in the in right outdoors. it's just where you're going and you got to understand that any space you're taking up cannot be taken up by someone else and so you want to minimize your impact on your the impact on the environment right and, and but it, so I, yeah. I think that's a good point and i don't necessarily want to get in that right this second sure definitely i think what's another what's another thing that you should consider not bringing to the crag one that I'm thinking of, and I may or may not be under the influence of, is alcohol. Oh yeah, ooh. Uh, so do I save my beers for the crag, or do I save my beers after the crag? I, you say that as I just opened up a beer to pour into my glass, <laughs> and um, I'm beerless. I don't so even have a beer. I might text. Can we, I can. Yeah. I can shoot Jess a, a text message. Here, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll just send it to her. Hey Jess, can you bring a beer? <laughs> There's no way she heard She's that. Probably in the bathroom. I don't know. I doubt it. She's probably watching a soap opera. This is why, you know, beautiful women, nope. my wife loves, I love very much. Uh, but yeah, so I, while you're texting, I'll, I'll shoot a little, I'll tell a story. Do you remember, this would have been, I don't, this would have been, I think we went in like January or February or something. And we're, 
we're at uh, we're at one of the crags, and and we see these guys show up, and it's what like ten a.m. Oh, this is a good story. And these guys, dude, it wasn't even ten a.m. Yeah, it's because it mean, was. I remember this was like fall season. This might have been November, because it was cold as shit. It out. was. It was. <laughs> Very cold. So, and, and, and those early, those like days where daylight savings right. has been affected, negatively impacting them, we totally have to get it at the crag at like 5 a.m. Yeah, 100%. So it you might know, have been like 8 a.m. It's early. <laughs> yeah. And these guys show up, and I just remember being genuinely bewildered by the amount of alcohol that was clearly in their system. I'm like, how is it this early and you've already drunk that much? And they walk in with like a, what's the? I think the, it was a thirty case, like a thirty, of PBR. like something PBR. First, I mean, granted, we were at we were at a uh, left flank, left yeah. flank in the Red River Gorge, which is a really low uh, impact. Sure, definitely. I mean, it's not hike. heavily visited and all the stuff, um, but uh, thank you to my beautiful wife who had assisted in the in the beer. Oh, that's that's lovely. You, you just got beer everywhere. Oh man. Um, but yeah, so these guys are just blitzed, and you know we're here climbing and whatever. But it's beyond like they are so like they're wanting to talk to us and cause a scene, and you know even then, I'm belaying. I guess I'm belaying you on something. And <laughs> I, I think the best part is I think the guy was climbing this like five ten route where it has like a pretty significant run out, and it's. I think it's even maybe considered right. a mixed route. And right. The guy was like, he's like, hey, I didn't bring any gear with me. I'm just going to like kind of climb past this, it out, cr- this crack system without plugging he's any running gear. Out and and the- his Belair has like a, he's got like a PBR in one hand and a bowl in the other hand. Lighten up. And the slack is just on the ground. <laughs> and you and I are just like. And it's like, geez, man. And on the one hand, like I get it. You're outside. You want to have a good time, but. But yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where um, you, uh, yeah, it, it's just frustrating when you're trying to climb and and I goof around as much as the next guy does, but I'm also trying not to be unsafe. And these guys, again, are just out of their minds and acting like it and distracting and all and everything that entails. So, you know, I, I've met the guys that are like, "Hey, is it cool if we smoke here?" You know, and on the one hand, you want to think, hey, thanks for asking, but also you're yeah, so putting how do you me feel, in a spot. So how do you feel? So we never answered the question. Can can I bring Should beer to the bring? crag? I, my, my, my philosophy is the same as I, I have with music. If it's just you guys, honestly, I don't care. But if it's in a place where other people are, don't even put them in the position to like feel like they can't say no. Like, just don't because I'm the other way around. You're man. the other way around. Let's party. Let's party it up. <laughs> I love it. I've I've absolutely had a beer at the Craig. Well, I think it's a good experience. There's a difference between a beer and you know an entire. So you're saying pack. don't have a rager at the Craig, right? Exactly, and I think that's the difference. So if, I can crack open a crispy boy, an ice cold crispy boy. You know, crag beer. Just like you know. Put, maybe even put it in my chalk bag as I'm climbing a route. Heck, and you're not yes. going to be upset about it. I mean, I got a stainless steel flask, you know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. So I don't but play But if I that. bring out the 30 rack and we start opening up a, like a beer pong. Right, exactly. You're not, you're not psyched. And again, I think it's just we when we get in, we'll talk about crag ethics later as well, but that you're not thinking about other people. And I think that's at the end of the day. When, when you think, should I bring this or should I not bring this, how is this going to affect other people? Uh, whereas I guess you, you, you go to a gym, you're not going to, you know, smoke a bowl at a gym, mainly because, you know, that's probably against said rules. I'm not just gonna say. But like, you're gonna get high in the parking lot. Oh, that's sure. <laughs> Go and climb high. <laughs> that's that's an entire bottle of Axe body spray. I wonder what that's masking. But uh, but no, you're right. I think it's it, it's just considering other people, and uh, you know, so we in that mind. Speaking of other gear, you might need to bring. Um, you so might. wait, so people can't get high at the crag is what you're saying. You can get high at the crag, but you know, again, I, it, is it going to be? I've been to the place where like I'm getting a contact high, like belaying, and I'm like, I know I should feel. I, I, there's a part of me that thinks I should be critical on that, <laughs> but, but also, but also, <laughs> like screw it, man. Like, who? Am, so you're gonna use the argument that like. Hey, you need to be considerate of others. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm just killing that dude's buzz. 
by being a stickler. Listen, just just, how, just hot box in your car before hiking in. You don't even have to do that. You don't even have to do that. I think you can smoke a bowl or you can smoke a joint at the crag, and it's not going to just ruin someone's no, day. No, it won't. And We're, they're not going to get stoned off their ass. Right. I, if anything, I think it's kind of more mental on their side. Sure. It's something that they're the 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 person who's experiencing the second hand is kind of exaggerating their experience of course they are but again at the end of the day are you sitting here so trying to throw a rager so let's let's back let's pack it up a little bit you're kind of saying that when it comes to some of the rules of alcohol abuse or drug abuse those the indoor policy should go towards the outdoor policy in moderation in mo- yeah, I guess that's the point. Is in moderation. There's nothing wrong. I'm with saying fucking party it up, fucking dude. <laughs> I don't care. Bring the Rager. thirty rack. Bring the thirty rack. Bring like a uh, like an eighth of weed. Roll a big old bleezy. I don't. So okay, I, I, is an eighth a lot? I don't know. I just made it up. Uh, yeah, bring a di- a dime bag. I think that's <laughs> <A dime> fair. <laughs> <laughs> We're pro smokers. Uh, we don't live in Colorado, yeah, but we definitely maybe we can have people comment or tell us like, "Hey, an eighth is actually not enough weed." Right. That's not enough. I remember for my when. Yeah. Off I just that. remember in high school hearing people say that, that's and an, I was like, th- "Yeah, but in high school, people eighth. can't afford actual stuff, so <laughs> that's an eighth of like the stems. They can't even yeah. get any." But no, you're right. It, it's just within moderation. Throwing ragers is one thing, but going and you know having a good time. Because I'm it, pro wobbler. I'm pro, you're if pro I'm, wobbler. If I'm pro wobbler, I can't tell people they can't. Rager. I can't tell them like they can't enjoy some beer and, and smoke some weed. Sure, but you know, and and the other thing, as we get away from the topic of substance abuse, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the we talk about you're going to be outside. There aren't bathrooms, you know, and that I'll that, do the world's a bathroom. The world's a bathroom, <laughs> but you know, bringing toilet paper. I can't tell you how many times, like, thank. Jesus, that there was a roll of toilet paper in that bag because that was almost a catastrophe. What about wet wipes? I feel like that's like a thing that a lot of people don't cash in on. Are they biodegradable? Are we are we burying or packing out? Mm, good point. So that's the next thing. That's we get into that leave no trace mentality. Um, I think, oh man, I can tell you what I think and what I actually do. What does it say? Like, what's the what's the saying? Don't it's take only pictures, leave only footprints. That's absolutely not what I was thinking. <laughs> That's like, the leave no choice. Do as I say, don't do not do as oh, I do. Oh, you're doing the do as I say, not as I do thing. Yeah, yeah, That's sure. kind of how <laughs> I want this don't podcast to Don't leave a bunch from. of garbage there, especially if it's not biodegradable, but also uh, this is what I do. Yeah. Um, we're tr- slowly transitioning into the bad beta podcast. Bad beta. <laughs> so we're trying to be better at climbing beta. Um, but that's the idea is leave no trace. If you're gonna go use the bathroom outside, you know, obviously we're talking about taking a dump. Dig a big asshole, right? An asshole. It is an asshole because your ass is gonna be facing towards the hole. Let it all out. Take some TP. Do your deal. You, I am gonna personally say you can either bury it. I'd recommend you bury it. If you're gonna use like a wet wipe or whatever, bury it. And then you're good. You're on the you're on the yeah. road to success. Some people think you should pack it out. Yeah. And if you're doing multi pitch, awesome. totally pack it out. Yeah, definitely. I don't I mean, give a yeah, shit. Yeah, I don't. You don't want to just be like, whatever. I'm a thousand feet off the ground. Fuck it. Yeah, no. But you need. It's like the one time I would pack it out. Right. <clears throat> but yeah, and, and you're right. It's you know having a and little don't shovel don't take and, a rock and just, and just <laughs> smash, smash it, it down. Because <laughs> if um, you're you know say we're in Joe's Valley or something, we're in the desert. Right. <laughs> There's like, like we don't have trees. You know, we don't have soft ground. We just have like. And they rocks. typically, I, I think, leave no trace. And, and I'm probably wrong here, but it's like 200 feet off the trail, even. Like, it's. Don't do it right oh, by the yeah. trail. And I don't know if you want to take a dump right in front of people. I mean, maybe I that's like a fetish. I don't really, yeah, I'm, I'm an exhibitionist, but um, I think that means I like being watched. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't. I couldn't correct you. But if I wanted to. But yeah, it's, you know, that's just, again, something else to consider. You can't just go and you know flush it down the toilet at your gym you you gotta keep in mind that if you're especially if you're gonna be there all day you know and if you're like us you have mm-hmm. your morning coffee a couple hours later it's gonna hit you <laughs> there you and go <laughs> that's true and it's usually during the approach yep. you're like oh, uh, i'm feeling that yeah and i think so you you're harping on like 
think about other people's experience right and like kind of like i don't know millennial mindset of like <laughs> i want to enjoy the culture mentality but part of that is true for leave no trace especially when you're taking a dump because the last thing you want to do is like step in someone else's yeah. shit or step into someone else's like shitty toilet paper right so yeah bury that stuff yeah definitely so i mean and and obviously like the other leave no trace stuff like you know if, contrast a popular belief bananas and orange peels and all that shit does not is not like biodegradable in a day or right or even like and a I, month and it's one thing you know to eat an apple and throw the core way out so nobody's gonna see it mm-hmm. but then it's another thing and, and you've seen it and, and in fact uh one of the areas of, of uh, the Red River Gorge called Roadside has closed down because of, because of you know, you show up and there's beer cans and there's, you know, we were at, I took uh, some kids out to Camelot, which just opened up and they were like goofing around and have, you know, having a good time and exploring. And all of a sudden we, they see just this massive dump site and it's like, come on, like, why, why is there a microwave oven? Like, you know, a 20 minute hike into the red. I don't, whatever but you know did it work did you know I didn't, we, did anybody no take it home it in um okay. but that's the my thing yeti is, my yeti like inverter yeti, yeti converter yeah um but that's the thing is just keep in mind that if it I, honestly i'd say but about I, I most people say something along the lines of if you wouldn't want to see it but no take that a, even a step further like just if you're bringing something to the crag expect to bring it back out except if it came out of you yeah even though a lot of people think you should take it with you. I mean, that's actually part of it. And it, and it also depends, again, further research into crag ethics. Some places might say, like, hey, pack it out. Some places don't care. Whatever. I don't mm-hmm. know. Just that's a look up the guidebook and see what they say. Yeah. So well, and let's get into some of the crag ethics as we talk about because I think that's a good transition into we keep saying do your research, learn. Uh, what are some things to consider uh, Michael as you get into climbing outside that you know every gym there's most gyms have the same rules you know don't run don't do this don't do that fine but outdoor isn't always the case even within Red River Gorge because multiple crags are owned by different people yeah and so they all have their own rules yeah so in some instances you need to either sign a waiver to climb in certain areas or donate so so like what is that what are you donating to so let me give you an example when i go to climb at roadside and the red river gorge i have to donate to grain fork yep right so i'm donating to the owners of that property so they're for them to making money off of you yeah make a little bit of money right <laughs> that's fine hey they paid for that land i didn't pay for that land sure um, and that's kind of like the conversation with rock climbing is yes, it's expensive when you first start, but after you get all your gear, it's practically free. Mm-hmm. And then you go to places like Mir Valley where you're donating, and I'm using quotation marks. Air quotes here. But really, you're paying for parking. Okay. And they're not charging you to rock climb there. But Mir Valley is a place where you need to sign a waiver because. The land in the River Gorge is mostly owned privately right. that we climb on. Obviously, the northern region of the Red River Gorge, we um, are climbing on, was it National Forest Land? Yep. So you don't technically need to have a waiver. At least I don't know that. I've never signed a waiver. No, I don't think you do. But those are things that you need to keep in consideration. Another one, it might just simply be just when it comes to privately owned land, am I allowed to drive on certain roads am i allowed to is there a place where i am supposed to pull off and park or can i keep driving like all the way up to the cliff one you know roadside specifically says no dogs and so does mere valley mere valley the same and and it's also interesting because sometimes yes the donations are because they're privately owned and hey they bought it they want something back but also i know like mere valley is so nice I mean, there's stairs and outhouses. There's a L8 machine. L8 machine. Like, there's so much, and I know a lot of that money goes to maintaining, and not like he's not looking to make a this massive profit off climbers. Yeah, it's more so you pay for parking because he wants to maybe help control 
the traffic a little bit so it's not just overloaded, but also, hey, here's all this weed. He makes it's about as close to a gym as you can get outside. You know, little name tag drilled into the walls and practice anchor stations and all this other Mm -hmm. stuff. And that's not gear's not free. And so, you know, graining fork is pay what you want when you sign the waiver, make a donation. Some people pay the, you know, 50 cents just so that they can go climb there. Some people say, hey, you know, I want to help because they have people out go maintain as well. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It's there's there's the donations. But, you know, I I mean, Miller Miller Fork doesn't need a waiver, but the well, the coalition, I think, has a waiver because the coalition owns at least they own the access to that climbing. So there is I know Miguel's the crags that they own have. Yeah, you know, and and again, that's we're not a, exactly sure what that's its about. own. That's yeah. a whole other podcast where you talk about that kind of stuff. But there's definitely, you know, I, I see this. All, I don't know if you've bumped into these people, but I've been climbing at you know roadside. Fill out the waiver because the other thing with roadside is they only allow so many people per day. Yeah, because it's a tight area. It's not very spread out. It's mm-hmm. not a lot of room to maneuver, and so they limit that. And I've had people there that like. They don't fill out waivers and they're bragging about it. Oh, we got kicked out yesterday, but we're not filling out waivers. We're just going to come and climb. And it's like, I mean, come on, man. Like, it's not hard to go onto the website and say, hey, mm-hmm. I promise not to be an idiot. And yeah. then you're good. And it's so like. access can be risked, could could actually be taken from. Right. And they, on their Facebook page, they've threatened a couple times because they were closed for years and then they reopened. And it's like, guys, don't abuse it or we'll close it again. Yeah. And so again, it's just know where you're going, and if you got waivers, go to the kiosk. That'd be my first thing. Yeah, go to the kiosk if there is one, and just read, read what's going on, read what what the guidelines or rules or regulations are. If you haven't already looked it up on the website, just for that local area, get the guidebook, buy the guidebook, and look up and read the ethics in the introduction to the guidebook. There's typically gonna be ethics. Um, if we're gonna harp on ethics, how do you feel about like lower rain versus repel when it comes to cleaning? Mm. So as a lead climbing instructor. Name drop, yeah. I'm a, a lower, title drop. I'm a lowerer. I don't Low- think that's a word. I, I lower. That's a um, bad, you sound stupid. I'm an idiot. As an instructor, you sound like an idiot. You're right. No, I think that's a good question because I think you get climbing, especially Red River Gorge is so unique and now heavily it's maintained and you've got bad bolts and fixed gear initiative and the, you know, I know the coalition doesn't do most of the gear, but it's so well maintained that we forget that there are areas that haven't, the gear hasn't been replaced maybe in decades. There, There is one thing I would uh, add to that is usually... And I would say 90% of the time, gear is being put up by a single person who, who pays is pay, their own money. pays their own money for it. Well, and that's right? a good point because... There isn't we, just like this bank account that no. has like tens of thousands of dollars in it. For, uh, and, and because of that, I was actually talking to some of the Red River Coalition guys and they were, you know, do you guys help with it? And they said no, because if that gear fails and it was done privately then all they have to say is like, well, you shouldn't have been climbing on my gear. But if it was mm-hmm. done by an organization, then they're liable for sure. that kind of stuff. So you're right. Uh, and, you know, Mike Wheatley, we've talked about, spends his own money, and he's bolted so many, I mean, entire cracks. Yeah. And so as we get into that, the ethics behind repelling are it's better on the gear. It's, mm-hmm. it's less wear and tear on the gear that's up there. The I still teach lowering more because it's just safer less can go wrong you're not you know and and i guess safer is a air quotable word because what does that even mean in climbing climbing's dangerous anyways but Mm -hmm. i know mike wheatley says you should lower the guy who spends his own money less can go wrong when you're lowering and you know the numbers on injuries outdoor climbing related are heavily boosted by rappelling i mean rappelling off the end of your rope just not knowing what you're doing mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff so well there's an idea that when you're lowering your there's there isn't a there is an ability to 
constantly be on belay. Correct. So that if your anchor system were to fail, you could take a lead fall on your last point of protection. Exactly. Because your blayer is still on belay. Right. Where repelling outside of the, okay, I don't lower enough rope, so then I repel off the end of my rope, you could consider going indirect, building your anchor system, right. your belayer going off belay, and then your anchor system failing and right. you plummeting to um, an injury. Right, and, and I, I think the big thing is understanding that um, it, it's just... So should somebody go and have a significant... Should somebody have a significant amount of understanding when it comes to cleaning before they go outside? Well, you know, uh, yes. Well, that's an interesting thing because I know a lot of people their first outdoor trip go with experienced climbers. I hope hope so. (laughs) We're gonna, and that's its own conversation. But we're gonna clean like we just want to give you have a chance to have fun outside. Awesome. I mean, or your first time outside, you can just top rope the whole time. You can just top rope, and there's a lot of instances where I know a lot of climbers. That's how they got started, anyways. So if I'm gonna top rope outside. And there's fixed gear on the anchors. Do I use a fixed gear or what do I do? Yeah, so I always say top roping, you never use the fixed gear, the provided gear. You, If you're going to put significant... Top roping wears gear out faster than anything else. And if you're going to be using... If you're going to be doing heavily trafficked, heavily top roped especially areas, then you use your own gear. If okay. you're going to put wear and tear on gear... Now, lowering is one thing because you're lowering the length of the route and you're coming off. But it's even to the point where if we're going to, multiple people are going to climb it, even if they're lead climbing it. Yeah. You only lower when you're cleaning gear off. Yep. You know, or you only lower on the gear provided, I guess I should say. is a better, a better idea. And, and if you're, you know, and the reason we don't care about the fixed gear lower on the wall is because that's not receiving all of the, I mean, you might fall on it, but you're not heavily lowering and reclimbing and lowering and reclimbing on that. Mm-hmm. So top rope, always your own gear. When you're cleaning and lowering off, use the fixed gear. It's fine. I know a lot of people carry extra quick links and rings in case they see something that looks sketchy and, hey, I'll go ahead and replace it. And that's nice. But, but yeah, I always say, first of all, do whatever you feel safest doing if you want to get back to repelling versus lowering. If you don't feel safe repelling, don't repel. Because you know what's really bad ethics? Dying at a crag. Because that's a really yeah. quick way to close it down. Um, so, but, but on top of that, I've had people yell at me for lowering at the red. Uh, the red River ethics is uh, actually repelling. And I go, actually, if you talk to the Red River Climbing Coalition, they tell you to lower. If you talk to the people that spend their own money mm-hmm. bolting, they tell you to lower. Why yeah. do I know this? Because I work with them. If you talk to the Climbing Wall Association, you talk to the American Mountain Guide Association, like the industry standards are to lower mm-hmm. unless the gear is suspect and you don't trust it. Then sure, you don't want to repel, I mean, lower off sketchy gear. But, you know, it's kind of an outdated now as heavily maintained as most crags are. I think the only repel is a little bit of an outdated thing. And especially with the like stainless steel gear is becoming more and more prevalent as opposed to just the aluminum quick jaws. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, there's nothing wrong with repelling. I mean, if that's what you like to do, and if that's the above and beyond, I don't even. That's how. If you she, feel, if you feel more comfortable repelling right. than lowering, then go and ahead. And I know, and repel. like, it's just my contribution to leave no trace. I don't even mm-hmm. want to wear the gear. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Or there's instances too where. I've seen this before or read this before where someone says, hey, someone should raise the anchors on this route because considering where they're at, whenever I lower, I'm getting more rope wear oh, sure. because of a hard edge. So that could be an instance where, okay, well, next time you climb that route, Repel. get to the chains and just wrap down. So you're not rubbing your you're, you know, That's just it's another way to preserve your rope if you're right. worried about edges. Um, so I always say, I mean, that's my, that's the good point is repelling is dependent on conservation of gear, whether that's your gear, whether that's their gear, you don't want to damage gear. Lowering is just easier and it's less stress. And mm-hmm. it's again, recommended by most major climbing standard defining organizations. Now, I guess if that makes sense. 
Makes sense. So, but let's talk because. Well, I want to. I want to say one more thing that I think is just because we're talking about the hardware. One thing that you, if you want to be a hot shot at your nearest sport crag, bring a wrench with you. Oh yeah. Bring a uh, typical bolt size, I believe, is like nine sixteenths. So bring like a socket, a ratchet wrench, or just maybe even a, a normal size wrench, and take that with you to the crag. And if See. someone says, "Hey, there's a spinner on this route," you can just, you know, give it a. a a little snug tightening but again you don't want to like wrench down on these bolts because they could break and then you're causing a bigger problem but more importantly like don't just try and take the bolt off and like tell everybody this is a bad bolt try to tighten the bolt a lot of times people get scared because there's a loose bolt and it's just the nature of the game like bolts are going to get loose after years of wear we can tighten them (laughs) you know it's not the end of the world we can totally take care of it yeah and just one way to be a good samaritan is just bring a wrench with you that mentality of leaving the place even better i try if if i can help it if i see trash that's there i try to pack it out if if there's loose bolts tighten them if if you can make the place a little bit better mm-hmm. than when you left it uh, we we can talk you know you see the people at x yeah like x holds x holds or you know if, if a rock is suspect it could f- break mm-hmm. then they'll x them you know but there's areas that we've been to that have been x that's like dude that's not going to break. It doesn't even, it's not sketchy. Like that's the hold. Mm-hmm. It's not going anywhere. And I'll brush them off. Brush off your tick marks. If you're making tick marks to project. Yeah. Or, you know, it's. That's a, that's always a mind boggling thing to me is cause I didn't realize that like people tick hand holes and footholds. Right. To me, that's mind boggling. Sure it is. It's like, and I didn't think you ticked. I thought you ticked feet things that might not be easily seen yeah like i can't see my feet so i'm going to tick right. them but i know what the handhold is yeah but even then i've been i could be wrong though. i've been places where it's okay i always one of my jokes is like i think five eight lead is harder on outside is harder than five nine because there's just infinitely more potentially good holds and i've been places where you'll see like eight different things ticked what the heck what i, I mean i shouldn't have to spend five minutes shopping around out, right shopping around just because there's ticks that are confusing me so it, it just boils down to that mentality if you want to talk about preserving the community a little bit longer and making it just better for someone else if you so if there's something there that's less than appealing make it better yeah loose bolt tighten it if you can hey that quick link looks sketchy quick links are what like 20 cents at lows have a couple hanging on you replace it if mm-hmm. you know and you see trash pack it out well it's not much who cares make it better mm-hmm. and so we talk about that leave no trace it's just make it better but as we talk about i mean we talked about cleaning and, and some of the things one of the questions i you know it's always interesting is learning how to climb i think my cat's just running around with something whatever pardon me thinks it's my car no, it's a, a bag okay. of like screws or something. Okay. <laughs> but uh, is should you learn how to climb inside before going outside if you have access? I mean, obviously this is speaking to if you have a gym or should I you just kind of figure it out? I think the big difference is who are you climbing with? So if you're going to have – say I'm a parent and I've been climbing for 25 years and I have my child with me sure i'm going to take them climbing outside maybe even first depending on where my geographic area is that i Mm -hmm. live in if that's more prevalent now or if i am working in an outdoor pursuits program in a college i might be able to take somebody outdoor climbing first but again i'm as a shepherd to this experience okay i'm going to make sure that the the correct safety protocols are put in place meaning that this person by no means is going to uh, lead climb they're by no means going to clean a route they are by no means going to place gear or any of that stuff they're simply they're simply just going to top rope top like rope. they would they'd have a very similar first time experience indoors as they would as outdoors so okay. that would be my my thing but like you stated earlier you have i have personally taught lead classes at the at climbing gym but you are um, somebody who teaches lead classes quite often sure 
And I would even recommend that you take a lead class or a ballet class or an introduction to rock climbing class from a certified rock yeah. climbing instructor or a certified climbing guide, somebody who has the, the right tools and information to explain this, explain, explain this difficult and hard to understand con construct in a easily understandable right. way. Well, that's the big thing I always tell people is there's a difference. You know, I, I know, I know very safe and smart and effective and talented rock climbers out there who have air quote trained people that have then very quickly gotten hurt. And it's, Oh, I forgot to tell you that one little thing. Well, the big thing too is the best time to have the bet the best time to teach somebody something is when they know nothing and what i mean by that is if you've been trained by your boyfriend and you're a girl or you're a guy and you're being trained by your girlfriend who's been climbing for two months right you're putting your faith into them that they know everything they don't know everything They've just watched some YouTube videos. And they may have done, we, we actually, there's a training system, they call it varied versus specific. And yeah, they may know the ideal way to do something because they took that one belay class or whatever. Hey, this is how you belay. Awesome. What they don't know is there's a lot of gray area. And mm -hmm. guess what? Climbing is or almost- situational area. Right, and it's almost never ideal. And the industry professionals are going to be able to say, hey, when it's not ideal, here's what's okay, and here's when you definitely need to get mm -hmm. something taken care of. But even then, you know, I, I have a story in mind, Mike. I don't know if you remember this, but we were climbing. I think this was Jess's, my wife's first trip to the Red, and it was just us three. And we're climbing. Oh, yeah, I remember this. And this, this girl and guy show up. They're like boyfriend-girlfriend, and they start climbing. And all of a sudden, I we look, and the girl is teaching her boyfriend how to belay her while she's lead climbing. Oh, yeah. And we're like, hmm, okay, well, that's a 5'6". She looks like, okay, fine. That's not great, but whatever. Yeah. And then like five minutes later, she's teaching him how to lead climb while he's doing it for the first time. And so like all the red flags are going off, but it's still whatever. And then I just remember she, all of a sudden she goes, hey, did I hear you guys work at a climbing gym? And we're like, yeah, you know, sure. She goes, hey, can you? Because we're loud. We're loud and obnoxious <laughs> and whatever. And she goes, hey, can you check my rope? I was never. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay, now I thought I knew the story. I this didn't know is, the story. Now I really now know Now you story. really know, right? And she's like, I've never, I just, I think it's okay, but I just, I've never known. And it's like, okay, sure. We are, again, quote, unquote, industry professionals. We know what to find. So I start checking her rope. And literally like 15 feet in, it is core shot. 100% core shot. The core, like it's not even a thing. Like mm -hmm. if she had flat. actually fallen, that rope would have snapped. And I'm just horrified. Like, how have you been climbing on this? She's like, I don't know what that means. What's core shot? Okay. And then I well, get- Well, she had never flipped her rope either. Right. So I get halfway through the rope and it's shiny and brand new on the other end. I'm like, why haven't you climbed on both ends? I don't know what that, what do you mean? Why should I do that? And it's like, girl, like what are you doing here? Yeah, you're teaching your boyfriend how to do stuff while he's actually so not even like hey let's practice first but like let's just mm -hmm. figure it out and B if you had actually fallen on this rope we're gonna have to carry you out and that's assuming you're still alive right you if know? you've taken like a big big fall on it sure maybe and it's just like why w and she didn't even know and it's you know and, and that's like okay the the people we know that are just like just watch a couple of videos and figure it out. I'm like, the couple of videos you see on how to clip don't go into checking to make sure your rope is good and making sure you climb on both ends. Yeah, like or even like the wear factors of quick draws. So, like you said before, if you're if you're watching a video on how to clip a quick draw, and then that same week you're going out to climb with somebody and maybe you're lead climbing on someone else's gear, you might not even know how to inspect their quick draws and make sure that right. they're safe to climb on. You know, and I've seen people climbing on where the metal is worn to the point where it's sharp. Yeah, I mean, I, that's when it's dangerous. I've seen people where like the webbing, the dog bone on the draw is held together by like eight threads, you know, and I've seen all of this and they just, oh, who cares? And it's like, well, this is, 
again, person, and I know I'm an instructor, but, oh, that's crazy. I think that's the, <laughs> that's hilarious. It's come through the headphones. Um, I think that's our signal that we need to start toning it down. But no, I think it's just, at the end of the day, learn, most crags have certified guides who love taking people out to teach. You know, most gyms have, you know, people who know how to teach and, as you say, I want to go outside for the first time. It's easy to think, just to summarize, it's easy to think I've been climbing in a gym for five years. I clearly know what I'm doing. You've been climbing in a controlled environment for five years. You know it's yeah. not controlled. The weather, wildlife, rock, like all of these other things. I'm you... scared, Tyler. You're scaring me. Good. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I think at the end of the day, when you say I want to go outside, it's not a simple matter of, hey, I'm going to go to a new gym mm-hmm. and then they'll give me an orientation and I'll be good. It's, yeah. There is a lot of information out there. And like you, you said it at the beginning, like just simple research, I think, at the end of the day. And if it's not something you've encountered before, maybe learn from someone, not just who's done it, but who knows how to teach it. And I think at that point, there's nothing wrong with going out and you got people that are smart and know what they're doing sure like hey let's go out and figure it out because mm-hmm. we all had to do that but just you know if you have the opportunity to have somebody or you have the opportunity to have a mentor in climbing then yes go ahead and lean on that person but don't be afraid to get a second opinion and don't be afraid to ask the staff at a climb at a climbing facility if this is the right uh, if, if this is the right fit for me, hey, I just started rock climbing. Should I go outdoors and climb and try yeah. lead climb? That's kind of a big thing. On a, on a second note, there's a lot of really easy things to forget about when you go outdoor climbing, like bringing your lunch, bringing, <laughs> bringing water, yeah. uh, bringing a shovel, those type of things. Bringing I, a rope that's long enough. Yeah, bringing a rope that's long enough. That's another thing. Tie a knot at the end of your rope. Um because that is probably the easiest way people get hurt and the easiest thing to fix. I've had trips ended because I didn't have enough draws. You know, I had my, I had like eight and then I wanted to, oh crap, I need 12, you know? And Mm -hmm. again, that's just the other thing. And I've had people go to the red thinking that it was heavily permadrawed and they go to the one crag that isn't. And it's like, well, I can't climb here now. Again, guidebook. Like guidebooks are so good now. Yeah. That they tell you not only how many bolts per line, but if it's mixed, if it's, you know, or how, how long, how the, route long is. the route is. Yeah, you know, again, it's just like study up, do your homework, talk to people who know what they're doing. Newsflash, climbers, if you haven't told by listening to our podcast, climbers love to talk. And, yeah. you know, and so there's, you, I'm never upset if someone's like, hey, what should I be concerned? What should I think about before going? We, yeah, or, or challenge us. Tell us, I mean, I have no problem having the conversation with somebody and say, hey, Michael, you're wrong. I think you are you have the wrong opinion yeah. or the wrong thought process when it comes to dealing with this type of climbing-specific thing. Yeah, like, well, We're all open. The, we're all open and the, the ones that aren't, you don't want to be around anyways. So Absolutely. So. so, yeah, this is, I hope this has been, you know, enlightening. I hope this is at least, at the very least, encouraged you to say, hey, I definitely want to learn more. Um and there's multiple outlets. Um, and again, just to further what Michael said at the beginning, like, hey, if there's any of these things, hey, I really don't know what you're talking about. We got, you know, leave us a comment. We'd love to further this conversation. Um, but again, I think at the end of the day that just understand indoor and outdoor, those are two different things or almost two different sports. And obviously, I'm an advocate for going outside. You should do it. There's nothing like climbing on real rock. Just understand that it's not as simple as buying a pair of climbing shoes and a harness and then figuring it out. So, uh, I don't know, just to kind of close this out, I, like I said, I hope this has been informative. And uh, once again, thank you to everyone who listens. And again, make sure to leave a comment. Give us a shout out if there's anything you want us to talk about next. We'd love to hear your input. Yeah, follow us on our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, on the website website you can send us an email even it's better climbing beta at gmail.com we i haven't got a single email no <laughs> have you we, got an email uh, i haven't got an email uh, no from, emails you know just emails from like soundcloud being yeah. like hey you need to upgrade yeah, because you can't right. afford um 
But no, hey, we got this keychains. We got stickers on the way. Shoot us a little kind. If you want one, we'd love to hit, hit you guys up with some of those. And then uh, other than that, thanks again. And uh, be on the lookout for further media things. Dun, dun, dun. All right, All right. thanks, everybody. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>